0: Our first scripture, as it was said, comes from Acts chapter 19, beginning with verse 1 through 7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Our second scripture is found in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. And this speaks of the baptism of John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the River Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let us be in prayer. Dear Lord, we take these words from your scripture, we let them soak into our hearts as we reflect on our baptism, the baptism of the Lord Jesus, and the baptism we receive through the Holy Spirit. We know that the baptism we receive is of water and of the Spirit, but it is your Spirit which soaks most deeply into our inner being, and turns us into a creature who is ready to serve you, to love you, and to give you our whole being. Lord, we lift these things up to you this morning, and we pray that as Pastor Mike comes forward in a few moments to share the message that you have given to him, we pray that our hearts will be renewed, that our eyes and ears will be open to the message, and our hearts will be changed, that the message we hear will be one that will just um, light everything up within us and give us new life through the baptism of Your Holy Spirit. These things we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Drummer
1: before the uh, service today, and you know he was kind of forlorn because he's a Packer fan. I, you know, all of you, I'm I'm hurt and broke with you, but just think of it—you could be like me, a Cowboy fan. So um, we've been on vacation a couple weeks, so enjoy it. You know, just waft that in. So uh, sorry about all that. Um, I know that some of you have been reading the Marian Methodist or those uh, white bulletins that are folded up that you get in front of you, and so you've been paying attention where we're going with our sermon uh, series right now, which is exciting to me when people engage in that. And, and one of you sent me a story that goes with, my, uh, uh, with the theme today, but not really with my talk. So I want to tell it to you because um, I like it. Um, it's about Eleanor. Eleanor was a, a lady who lived by herself, And she loved her cat. But her cat passed away. So after searching for a few weeks, she got a brand new cat. The cat's name was Homer. And she loved this cat. And so as soon as she got home, she called her pastor. And said, Pastor, I'm so excited. I've got a new cat. His name's Homer. And the pastor said, oh, I know how much you loved your cat. I was so sorry to lose that other cat. And so grateful you've got a new companion around the house for you. She says, well, thank you, Pastor. Pastor. Now, I'd like to set up a time to baptize him. And the pastor said, wait, wait, wait just a second, Eleanor. Uh, In the United Methodist Church, our liturgy doesn't provide for the baptism of pets. Um, We can't really do that, and pets aren't even allowed in the sanctuary. And she says, but pastor... You know, he's my constant companion. I read the Bible to him. We watch TV together. He even kind of crosses his paws when I say my prayers at night. Surely you can baptize him. And he said, and the pastor said, I'm sorry, Eleanor. You know, my bishop would be frustrated and upset with me. I just can't do that. And she said, well, pastor, I'd be so grateful if you'd do that. I'm willing, if you would would baptize Homer, I would be willing to give the church $10,000 if you'd do that. And the pastor said, Eleanor, why in the world didn't you tell me first that Homer was a United Methodist cat? Bring him right over. Well, uh, you know, so, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) The finance committee is saying, yeah, let's (laughs) baptize some cats. (laughs) Not going to happen in here. We love our pets. But we take this very seriously, what we're doing here. We take our sacraments. Our sacraments are serious moments. Last week when we celebrated communion, today when we celebrate baptism, I want to just take a serious moment, a couple moments with you, just, I know we've got coughs, and small children, maybe even one of you have a cat or something with you, I don't know, but I just want you to listen, just listen for a second. easy to hear from where i'm at the water rolling down here maybe not so easy from from where you're at but we take the flow of the baptismal waters very seriously so seriously that from time to time we need to look at why we celebrate these things like Communion and baptism. Why we, why we like to get our hands on things. We like to touch the bread and, and put it in our mouth and, and, and taste the wine. We like to put our hands in the waters of baptism just to, to feel the wetness and, and, and put it on ourselves. Because see, in our sacraments, particularly as we talk about baptism today, we have to understand what we're celebrating. We're celebrating first and foremost that God has already acted on your behalf. He has acted on my behalf, he's acted on your behalf, and he's acted on the behalf of all the people that will ever come in the person of Jesus. When when Jesus comes to earth, that is often called the moment of the atonement. And if you break down the word atonement, maybe some of you went to Catholic school or something like that, and you knew this, you you can put it in three words, at one meant In the person of Jesus, which is the historical Jesus that came 2,000 years ago, you, I, and everybody that's ever gonna leave Live has been put at one with God. We've been put at one with God. And He has done this by cleansing us of our sins, giving full value back to our personalities and our spirit, and renewing us for a life to live. That's what God has done. And we celebrate that at baptism and in the sacrament of communion. We also celebrate something else that's very important is not only has God done something back there in our past, providing for our current and our future, God is doing something right now on your behalf. You saw one of the children in our video a moment ago, and I love that because he's been well taught at home, well nurtured here in the Sunday school. He said uh, words to the effect of, I know that God is always with me. And at baptism, that's one of the things we remember, is that God is not just around us, as one of the other kids said, roaming about the church. God is in and around us and present with us all the time, and we call that the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's what John was missing in his baptism. Now, there's a lot more to learn about baptism and communion in in a global terms. And you can turn to our webpage, which is www.marionmethodist.org if you want to see that. And there's a Baptism 101 on there, Baptism 101 for Adults. There's some stuff about communion, and and I encourage you to look at that. But today, I want to put kind of a laser beam focus on your baptism. Not baptism in general, but on your specific individual and unique baptism. You know, for years and years, the Christian church has um, tried to discern argued maybe even, about what the correct methodology of baptism is. You know, for many times, people have have said, you know, it's not baptism unless you dunk somebody all the way under the water, or it's not baptism unless they kneel down and you pour water, or it's not baptism unless you just sprinkle a little water. But each church has, has fought for, for years and years, saying, look, our methodology is correct. You, you've got to do it this way, or, or, or you're just not right. And, you know, in the United Methodist Church, we believe in all three forms of baptism, immersion, pouring, and sprinkling. And the early church response is one that's important for us to hear. Hear, hear what Paul wrote about it, because this is what we cling to. We cling to this as our understanding of baptism. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. There is one body and one spirit, And just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. One baptism. See, that's why the United Methodists believe that if you've been baptized anywhere else, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that baptism is our baptism. But still, pastors and religious geeks mostly, but sometimes lay people, like to continue fighting about... How much water you have to use on baptism? And I think that's mostly because we like to pay attention with the small things, with the methodology, rather than really get into the heart of the meaning. I was at the Billy Graham School for Evangelism way back, 20-some years ago. And David Hawking, who was one of the original founders of the Calvary Church in Santa Monica, stood in front of the group, and he was talking about baptism. And he asked a guest to come up and talk about their baptism. But rather than talk about their baptism, it was a Lutheran pastor. He brought a dinner spoon with him. Get this. And he went up to the fountain that was there, and he dipped the dinner spoon into the water and walked over to Dr. Hawking and said, "Dr. Hawking, for we Lutherans, Presbyterians and Methodists, this is all the water you'll need to get someone into heaven." And Hawking had him pour the water into his hand, and he put it on his hands, put the sign of the cross on his forehead, and said, "Look, friend. We can argue until your face is blue and mine turns purple about how much or what method to use in baptism. And it matters not how much water you use. The purpose is of baptism, and the important thing about baptism is not whether you pour or sprinkle or dunk. The importance is, is get people wet and encourage them in their lives to stay wet. I love that. You know, we're supposed to be the walking wet. We get the waters of baptism on them. And, and like the water I stuck my hand in a minute ago, it's already dry on my hand. But in our baptism, we're supposed to receive this symbol, and it's a symbol, and, and walk away from here still wet, even though we dry, before we get out the back door. So I agree that it's the meaning of baptism, not the methodology. Heck, John Wesley himself said this, an ocean of water cannot offer spiritual change. An ocean of water cannot offer or affect spiritual change. You see, it's our United Methodist position, and most of the Christian church's position, that the effectiveness of the symbol of baptism depends not on the outward amount of water, but on an inward response. Now, I don't say very many shocking things from one week to another, but if you write stuff down, if you like to tweet stuff, here's the shocking statement from today's sermon. The meaning of your baptism is ultimately up to you. The meaning of your baptism. Is ultimately up to you. See, we have this liturgical phrase that we use all the time, and it needs some fleshing out. We say it all the time. Uh, We say, oftentimes pastors will, will say to you, remember your baptism and be thankful. See, a lot of us have been given a memory of our baptism, even though we can't remember it ourselves. I've been told by my mother and father I was there. I don't remember it. I was still an infant. But they've told me it was a wonderful time, and so I have that remembrance. And I've always been thankful to them that they raised me within the scope of Christianity, nurtured me up in the faith, and gave me the opportunity. So when I say about myself, remember my baptism and and be thankful, I know what that means. You individually have different baptisms, different moments of times, different memories, and it's important for you to remember your baptism and be thankful. Thankful that the water was put on you, and thankful that someone loved you enough and cared enough to tell you, now in your life, do everything you can to stay wet for Jesus Christ. Now today we're going to do something that I would suspect you have never seen done in First United Methodist Church. It hasn't been done in the last 10 years. Least, because that's how long I've been a pastor. We're going to give you, and I don't. If you're, if I just, we're going to give you an opportunity to reaffirm your baptism through some liturgy and through a very demonstrative act. We're going to have bowls of water in four places, so you don't have to stop at the edge if you want to. When you get down here, come to a bowl of water, and in the remembrance of your baptism, stick your hand in it, swirl it around if you want. A lot of people I've been watching as they put the sign of the cross on their hand on their forehead. A lot of people have drawn it over their whole spirit just to remember their baptism and be thankful. And if you can't come forward and you want someone to help you remember that, Andrew's going to come out with a a bowl of water. And anyone that that wants to receive the sign that can't come forward, he'll he'll put the sign of the cross on your hand. Now, I want to tell you something very exciting that's happened because this just never happens because we United Methodists like to have a methodology. This morning at our first three services, I have also said, when we are doing this, if you have never been baptized, now we don't believe in rebaptism. If you've been baptized already, you don't need to come up to to, to where I'm going to ask you to do next. If you've never been baptized before in your life and you would like to receive the sacrament of baptism, you can join the seven other people that have already received that today. They made no preparation before the moment, they simply came forward. And as our musicians played, they received the sacrament of baptism. probably a very hard-to-receive hug from their pastor because I think it's very important to you to sometimes receive the invitation. So if you've been baptized in another fellowship, you don't need to come up. If you were baptized 10 or 15 years ago, you don't need to come up. But if, if God is calling in your heart, one of, one of the members said to me this morning, one of the people at 11 o'clock or 945 said, you know, I've been thinking about it for a long time. and When you put it right out there in my face, Pastor Mike, I had no choice. I had to come forward. We had young people and not-so-young people come. So if you'd like that, that's, that's your invitation there. I'll make it again in a moment. And I go to it on this path. We can remember our baptism and be thankful because our baptism, the waters of, of this baptism, celebrates our family tree and acknowledges something that doesn't happen new that day but that's already present, and that's our lineage We are a child of God, and a child of God we shall always be. Let me explain it this way. Fifty or so years ago, Elizabeth was coronated Queen of England. At that day where she received her crown and her scepter, she did not become the queen. Understand that. She was the queen before that. You see, it was her lineage When her papa died, who was the king, she immediately became the queen. That was her lineage. They celebrated her coronation and the fact that she had become the queen at her coronation. You see, when we touch our hands in the water of baptism, or when we receive baptism on our head, we are not for a minute believing that water makes the Christian. It does not. It celebrates our lineage. Prior to you coming forward or receiving baptism, you were a child of God. And away from here, you go as a child of God. And here's the turn. Just as Queen Elizabeth's lineage demanded a response from her, so does your lineage and my lineage demand a response from you. She, of course, took up the mantle of leadership to be the Queen of England. We take up the mantle of a Christian. Because baptism is not an end in itself. It simply is not. There is no magic here. There's no magic in, in, in this water. It's one of the most tragic things that ever happens is when someone comes forward and sees this as magic. You know, I know where this water came from. Earlier this morning, it was in a bottle that said, High V Spring Water or something like that. There, there's no magic here. It it came from within our stock here at at the church. And it's one of the most tragic things that ever comes to us, I think, is when a parent or a group of parents bring their child forward and they baptize their child here in the church. And then they neither attend worship or teach the child the faith in their home. They're hoping on magic. And trust me with this, I've worked with a lot of students over my life There is no magic here. It simply isn't there. The application of water to a person doesn't change a person. If it did, we'd just take more and more showers, amen? You know? We just stay in the bath all the time. But baptism is is a symbol that demands, from this outward sign, an inward response. Baptism itself is not the new birth. The new birth is when your spirit freely meets the Spirit of God... And comes together in one. Now, Valentine's Day is just around the corner. I know that. And I don't necessarily, well, uh, buy those little hearts, you know. The little, I don't even know what they're called. Those little hearts with the words on them, you know. That say, I love you. Kiss your teacher. Text me, whatever they say. Tweet me. I don't know. Um, but, but see, I imagine this. And this is, I'm asking you to, uh, to uh, uh, give the pastor a little space here. See, I imagine God sending out a heart. And it's printed on two sides. And on one side, it simply says, you are mine. You are mine. That is a pre-existing condition. You are mine. And on the flip side of the heart, is printed this. I want you to want to be mine. You're already mine. But I want you to want to be mine. You see, our baptism is not useful at all unless we give response to it. See, baptism symbolizes God's saving grace and our intentions to live a life of faith. See, baptism begins with us making an act of declaration on our part to God's will and purpose for our lives. And then it moves to God's side where God empowers us for our work in the world, our life in the world. Years ago, I taught you this verse. I know I did because we memorized it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which were prepared in advance by God for us to do. You see, I think every single one of us, you, me, every boy, man, child, woman, everything, there are specific things that God wants us to do for Him in the world, and our baptism is, in a sense, our in- empowering ordination as a layperson to go do those things. It's a marker that points us a certain direction. J.A. Moychair says, Baptism points us back to the Word of God and forward to a life of faith. Remember your baptism and be faithful and be thankful. Now, I want to give you an opportunity here and now, and this will be the majority of the rest of our service, for you to get wet. You're going to get wet if you want to. You now, if, if it creeps you out, if you don't want anything to do with it, I understand. If you feel uncomfortable because of your own denominational background, I get that too. But baptism is into the one Lord, into the one faith, and the one baptism for us all. And if you need to rem- be reminded of your baptism, just come like we do for communion. Come down the side aisles. You don't have to wait at the end. You can come to the middle. We figured it out the first two services. I'm sure you can fi- figure it out too. Just come here. Um, Give yourself the symbol, uh, swirl your hand in the water, get the touch on it, uh, put the water on you some way, and then remind yourself that even though it's going to dry off before you put your coat on, that we're supposed to always walk in the wetness of God's Spirit. Remember your baptism and be thankful. And if you've never been baptized before, uh, when I go through and, and then I'm standing behind the, ben- the kneeling uh, rail, if you desire, uh, come forward. Would you turn now in your blue hymnals, to number 50, and keep it open until the uh, rest of the service plays out. On page 50, you'll find baptismal covenant number four. It is our tradition when we use the hymnals that the leader reads the print that is not bold, and you respond with the bold. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We're incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All of this is God's gift offered to us without price. Through the reaffirmation of faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism, acknowledge what God is doing for us, and affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. If you're able, I ask you to please stand now for the renunciation of sin and profession of faith. Continuing, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? I do. Do you accept the freedom and the power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? I do. According to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? I will. Let us join together in professing the Christian faith is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended on the third day. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I ask you to be seated, but don't close your hymnals, please. We continue on page 51 at the bottom. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of the womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your Spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all people. Pour out your Holy Spirit. And by this gift of water, call to our remembrance the grace declared to us in our baptism. For you have washed away our sins, and you clothe us with righteousness throughout our lives, that dying and rising with Christ we may share in his final victory. All praise to you, Eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Amen. The Holy Spirit work within you that having been born through water and the Spirit, you may live as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've certainly received the instructions. So, allowing me to start when you're ready, come forward and receive the symbol. To page 52. And if you're able, let's rise as we conclude our service, going to the portion named Thanksgiving. Let us rejoice in the faithfulness of our covenant God. We give thanks for all that God has already given us as members of the body of Christ. And in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we will faithfully participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, the God of all grace who has called you into eternal glory in Christ, establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go serve the Lord. Amen.